airing the Addisons. Well, let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you for listening. Appreciate you tuning in today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. Hey, Sherry B. And uh, we've got a couple guests we are expecting to join us in the next segment. We're going to talk about uh, grassroots activism and, and what it's like to really be taking a stand uh, right in your local community and what that could look like uh, even in the town that you live in. So we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Hope you'll uh, stick around for that. But in this first segment, I wanted to kind of double back to yesterday's show. Well, I don't know. There may be somebody who is um, a bigger critic of our show than me, but I don't know them. (laughs) No, I don't know them either. Right. Okay. thanks. (laughs) Wow. I can't believe that that was really easy. I mean, you usually (laughs) that was thank you. You just let me have that. Um, But it's true. I am. I am so critical of our show when we don't do things well. Boy, do I talk about it, right, Will? Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of, I go in on us. <laughs> if we, if we, if we miss it, I go in on us. Um, I go back. I'm thinking about even the calls that we get in. You know, people have questions, they have comments. Um, I'm thinking constantly about what it is that we could have done better. What right. information probably we needed that we didn't think of at the time, and right. and you know, then we kind of try to come back and and do that. So, um, I don't know a, a bigger critic of the show than Miki Addison, right. and um. And it's true. I just I, I care an awful lot about what we do here. And uh, and I think our listeners are worth that, you know. Yeah. And I, I probably and which let me say this, because you are also a critic um, of this show. Yeah. Just not as big a critic well, as I am. I think I, I can get over it um, more quickly. I don't even know if I should agree with you on that Um, because <laughs> I almost true. feel like agreeing with you <laughs> makes me seem like the person that needs to be told get over it. I'm like um, I'm like the quarterback. I threw an interception. And you got to have a short like memory span. You got to you tell you got me other that plays. All the you got to you got to yes. you know this. That's not the game. You got to continue on. That is the illustration that you use all the time. <laughs> you say, Meek, you got to be like the quarterback. Like you can't. You got to just kind of move on. You got other plays you and all this. On. And and I'm just like I'm stuck. I can't. Like if we if I miss something, <laughs> that's how you uh, lose. It, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get that's over true. it. Well, I mean, you know, but I, I guess, you know, I'm not a quarterback. I don't have anything on my arms here um, as far as plays go is what I'm talking about. No, but OK. So looking back um, mm-hmm. just for a second and critiquing the show, I try to um, I try to think through the types of questions that I want to ask our guests. And I try to set them up in a way that is engaging right. and that will um, kind of ask the questions that I think our listeners want to know. You know what I mean? Not just me, but I think the questions that our listeners might be concerned about if, if now, they have, go ahead. I, I would have to say, I think you do a great job of interviewing people though. You I don't think know, so? I don't really know where you're going with this. You must, something okay. must have stuck out to you, but I think it you did. do a, a, a great job of inter- interviewing our guest. Okay. Well, yeah. I appreciate you for that. Um, and so now here's the critique. Okay. okay. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for that. Um, 
So what I often do is is sort of lead into the question um, and, and really trying to show just the humanity of all of us, right? Like we live mm-hmm. in a world where everything is pretty plastic. And so um, so a lot of my questions usually kind of lead in with an anecdote or a little bit of our personal story. Mm-hmm. But I was listening to the, the um, second segment yesterday and I was asking our guest Jolene Philo a question. And I thought, oh, man, you know, the way I'm asking this question I felt was a little bit um, disrespectful of you. Of me? And I, yeah, I felt oh. it gave the appearance that I was saying something about you that I wasn't saying. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna remind you of this question, and you can tell me you're like, nah, I wasn't, <laughs> nah, you know, I can already hear it in your voice. So I was asking this question about um, the guilt that moms feel over spending time and trying to nurture their marriages, and mm-hmm. you know, the 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 kids have felt needs, and then the husbands have those right felt needs. You remember that question? We yeah. kind of setting that up. Mm-hmm. Well, I felt like that was suggesting that you don't understand, or that you have needs that are not being met, or that I think that you, um, you know, feel like you're you're not being acknowledged in our marriage. And I don't think that at all. Yeah, that, I don't that, think that, that, that you that feel really, that. Really hurt me. I, I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm just fine. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> you are a mess. I, no, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. But thank you for, you know, pointing yeah, that no, out. Because you know, I, but, I yeah, no, because I didn't, you know, if it's us, if mm-hmm. it's if it's our example, right. <clears throat> excuse me, I will say it's us. And I will say, you know, because for us, this is our example. Mm-hmm. But that really was a genuine, uh, I'm sorry, a general question mm-hmm. um, because I know that there are moms who feel that way. Mm-hmm. Now, I think as it as it comes down to to you and I, and I thank God for this, um, we do take time away. We we do um, invest in our marriage and, and it mm-hmm. takes work. It does take work because there's a lot that we're involved in. But um, by God's grace, you kind of have that internal clock yeah. that tells you, hey, you know what? You need to go have dinner, just the two of you. Right. You know, you, you got to be intentional about it because it don't That's just right. happen. Not with <laughs> and life. I know that there are some there are some <laughs> people who say there's some people who say um, you need to be doing that once a week. You know, yeah. that's just not practical for us. Right. And. And correct me on this if you, if you disagree. Yeah. I don't really feel like we need that every week. Not every week, but it probably we probably could do it that more. But you think so? Yeah, but I I think every week is for us at least is not doable at least right now. Now let me ask you this: I'm putting you on the spot by sure. asking this. In your opinion, I have my idea. Uh-huh. Okay, for me. Yeah. But in in your opinion, as far as you're concerned, why do you feel like we don't need to do that as often as maybe every week? Well, like, it's not it's that? not that it would be a um a bad idea or I don't want to. I just think um just given what we do and yeah. and given five kids and given yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't think yeah. it's practical to happen yeah. every week. Yeah, that's what I that's what I was thinking too, actually. Um I was that was pretty close to being my thought. But some I, people I, may I, l- listen and say, No, you just gotta make that, that happen. And mm-hmm. you know, I understand that. But I, you know, I, I I just don't think with there right now i will say know? i will say this now this is going to sound overly like pious i don't mean it to sound that way but I, do you have the sense do you have the sense of we actually enjoy when we get to just all be together with the kids and there's nothing on the agenda like just yeah. to be able to be home that's, like that's, i kind of feel like that's my thing that's you know great. like but yeah. it don't but i, I don't i want to say that does not substitute for you know husband and wife being together away you know that's from true. children as well but there, there should be a joy involved with everybody there, too. You know what I'm saying? But there, there's still a difference in the husband and the wife getting away and working. Because the thing that happens, we've talked about this, is that the children grow. They go away. Yeah. They have their own families. And then you're yeah. looking at each other like, who are you? 
<laughs> right, you right. Want, and I'm like, who are you? Right. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, you don't exactly want that, right. you know. No, it's true. And, you know, and I'm grateful to God. Um, I, I really thank God for um, the way you've led in, in that area in particular because that was not something that was natural to me. Like I didn't because mm-hmm. I didn't grow up seeing the investment of a marriage. I didn't grow up seeing that as as the unit. Yeah. So I had to make an adjustment and it, it was through prayer and time and practice. Right. Yeah. But I had to make an adjustment whereby I no longer saw the children as a part of just like this eternal unit. Yeah. And, it, and it's weird. It was on only two of us, me and my sister growing up, you know, just and I knew that when anniversary came around like when it was my parents anniversary they were going to go somewhere and we were not going to be around you know they were going to go have dinner <laughs> they were going you know but but normally they I didn't notice them going t- on dates you know but I think we do a better job you want to do a better job than maybe what you've seen I think we do better than what I saw but I knew when it was anniversary time that they took that time and it and it went you know and we were yeah. by grandparents or whatever you know but I you didn't know was- I didn't really realize that you know Something that was really eye-opening to me in the scriptures was just, and even understanding, because you know how this this whole, I think it was Hillary Clinton, it takes a village and and you're just like outright rejected on its face. What but village? then you realize that um, it's not necessarily the idea that's bad. It's just that you don't want their village. Right. You don't want their village. You don't want their village. But there's something that's so eye-opening for me in the scriptures to to read about Mary and Joseph traveling and traveling for like about two days and then realize that Jesus is not in their company. Yeah. So they're so comfortable with, with the village that they (laughs) have, that they are, they are traveling for like two days. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, there's, there's something that is a little bit freeing as a mom (laughs) when you read that Mary and Joseph have to have this conversation where it's like, Hey, it's been a minute. Have you seen the Messiah? It's amazing too. Cause it kind of gives you a glimpse of how they, were together like it and was, the trust yeah and the trust that you, they yeah. had in their company and their in their family or whoever was there you know so that helped that helped to lift a lot of guilt when you and i would go out of town and uh and you'd say hey i think just the two of us should go yeah this time maybe just the two of us and um and you i think maybe the, the first time you suggested that <laughs> it took a lot of coercion yeah remember it was like because it, it's hard to do it is if hard. You, you know you have to be intentional about it because you'll be your, your marriage would be better for it if you yeah. if you do that, you know. Yeah. And uh, speaking of that, it's about time for us to be together, me and you, without the the children. Oh, you talking about December fourth? <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you yeah. remembered that. That's yeah. good. That's your anniversary. How many years are we going to be married on December fourth? Don't ask me that on the air. Oh wow. Okay. All right then. <laughs> <laughs> Stop that. That's fine. Don't do that. I should have just. I was. That was just extra credit. Leave that me alone. was extra credit. You passed the test. Sixteen. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Uh, no, you're 15, not. 15, 15. 15, that's fine. I did, that's ah, fine. Ah, um, see? You passed the test. <laughs> you passed the test. I was just going to give you extra credit. That's all. And uh, you just don't get that, but that's okay. You passed. <laughs> so December 4th, as I long as you can year. get like the, the anniversary date is good. You, knowing how long, it's just, it's okay. It's all in the bucket. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, Let's move on. And we probably will go back to this in the third segment, just depending on how all the time shakes out. But you and I have talked about this before on our program, Will, mm-hmm. and um, we've discussed the cynicization of uh, Christianity and Chinese culture yeah. happening under um, the communist regime um, that we now have, you know, basketball players. Oh, my goodness. Celebrating, <laughs> commending. I mean, I, I don't know. I, what, it's about the what, money with them. But I was going to say. What, that's, that's not what we're talking about. That's, that's neither here nor yeah, there for that's, today. It's about the money. 
Okay. Oh, right. Okay. Although at some point it's going to have to be, we're going to have to talk about LeBron James. Yeah. Like at some point. I mean, maybe not. Maybe we just yeah. share memes. Yeah. <laughs> we can just share memes. All right. So the People's Republic of China destroyed a church that reportedly uh, could see 3,000 people mm. and also detained its pastors. This is according to a human rights uh, organization. China Aid, an international nonprofit Christian human rights group based in Texas, reported that the incident happened on Saturday. On Saturday, Chinese authorities provided no legal papers to justify the demolition. Mm. The church was located in Funan, Anhui province. Its pastor, uh, Jing Yemen, mm-hmm. and Sun Yang Yao, I think well, is how you say the names. Wow. Is that great? Yeah, Yang Yao? Sounds right. Um, were detained under suspicion of, watch this, gathering a crowd to disturb social order. Mm. Now, the thing in that stands words, out to me church. about this, and, and <laughs> what's that now? So in other words, having church. Yeah, in other <laughs> words, having church and, and, and also the distinction of being followers of the Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and not giving in to communism, mm. not ultimately worshiping Xi Jinping, right, which is, yeah. which is the goal and the aim, worshiping the Chinese government. Yeah. But the thing that's really interesting to me about this, and, and as I often talk about, um, looking at the 2,000-year history of the church, this kind of accusation is not new. Mm. I mean, this is, all, this, is, this is first century church. You know, um, the Apostle Paul accused of sedition, that he's upsetting our culture. He does things that, that you know, that's messing up our, our, our uh, how we make money and, and right. messing up our revenue and all of these right. things. They are upsetting our social order. Same thing true of Christians living under Roman rule, mm. under imperial oppression. Why are the Christians being persecuted? The Christians are being persecuted because they have a system of living. They have a, a way that they are governed that is different from our social order. Mm. And we've talked about this like when we are peculiar people we upset individuals around us yeah right yeah and so then what happens is the accusation becomes the precursor to the actions of trying to snuff out christianity this is this is what the enemy has done Mm. and what the enemy continues to do so you've got the accusation that they're they're messing up our culture Mm-hmm. They are ruining our culture. Mm-hmm. And so then how do we bring charges against them that inevitably achieve our aim of stopping the advance of Christianity? Let me say this. When I look at what is happening in China and the move to sync Chinese culture with Christianity, I cannot help but recognize the same thing in a different way is happening in the United States of America. There is a real move to sync culture wow. Wow. with Christianity. Wow. Wow. Man. But we don't see it because because we it. choose it. Mm. You see, mm. they are compelled in China. In America, we choose it. But it's the same outcome. Wow. All right. We got to grab the break. Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Forever Jones with You Are Welcome. 
Sherry B is over in Studio CC, and we appreciate her getting both of our guests on. Let me also let you know that if you miss any of the programming or if there are links to any of the stories that we discuss, which there will be some links for today's uh, show, you can always go to AFR.net and uh, you can get the podcast there. You can also get the podcast available on the AFR app. So if you don't have that, run to your app store or Android market mm-hmm. and you can get both or one. Oh, yeah. Just just get all of it. Just Whatever it is that you want, right? (laughs) Get all of it. Uh, So, hey, look, this is great news Um, out of Mississippi. um, There is a town in Mississippi that has, um, I guess, crossed the threshold, the first step of a three-step process of becoming a safe city or a sanctuary city. And uh, our guests join us today to talk about this because this is a big deal. This is uh, this is the body of Christ being salt and light, mm-hmm. and this is activism. I mean, I would say at its finest. So I want to want to jump right into it. Les Riley joins us. He is the founder of Personhood Mississippi, and Pastor Ryan Sullivan, who is the pastor of Grace Community Church in Jackson, Mississippi, and also the initiator of Safe City Pearl, and uh, had a wonderful victory earlier this month. And so I want to talk about that. Talk about the buildup. And then talk about what's next. So, Les Riley, let's do this. Let's start about. Let's start with talking about um, the difference that we can make at a local level when we begin simply caring about innocent life. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me, Will and uh, uh, <clears throat> Mickey. It's always a, a pleasure to, to talk with y'all. Um, yeah. Um, you know, as as you know, uh, we've talked in the past about uh, Joseph Stalin's you know famous line. One death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic. And, you know, when we talk about being pro-life, when we talk about activism, things like that, I think we, we can make a mistake when we think too big. You know, when we, we get tied up in numbers and all the political machinations and, and all this and all that, and, and forget that it's really about loving God and loving our neighbor. Mm-hmm. And the way we love our neighbor is at the, at the most local level possible. You know, so, you know, the... the if you're really concerned about abortion, the first thing to do is get involved with the pregnancy center, go down to the abortion clinic, share the gospel with people, take in a mom, things like that. And on the political side, you know, it's it's extremely difficult and extremely expensive to have an impact at the national level. But, you know, I think sometimes we forget that the, the way we lost this culture is that, you know, the left was taking over the schools and the library boards and, mm-hmm. you know, the foster care system and things like that, and doing things that the church had been doing all along. And so, you know, what what we did at uh, Person in Mississippi and Person in Alliance and a lot of other groups around the country are working on similar things, is just going back to, you know, basically the political philosophy that this nation was founded on, and that's the, the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, where, you know, a, a local government official has a duty before God to interpose on behalf of the most helpless in his community. And if a higher magistrate, you know, tries to show him he can't, then, then he's supposed to step in between them. And so what this is all about ultimately is, you know, um, stepping in and telling, telling the federal government that you may not know what a person is, but people in Pearl, Mississippi do. Amen. Amen. You know, and and we're going we're gonna to stand between the butchers and the babies at the most local level possible. And, uh, and I'll let Ryan kind of kind of take a minute, you know, tell you kind of how this transpired in Pearl and, and you know, what happened. But uh, it, it really is, is amazing that um, 
you know, you, you feel so helpless. Hello. I was reading one time George Washington Carver that prayed, he said he prayed, Lord, show me the secrets of the universe. And it felt like the Lord impressed upon him, you think too much of yourself. And he said, okay, how about the peanut? <laughs> and, he, and he transformed the world. Yeah. Mm. So, That's good. You know, God's got, God's got the big picture. Mm. He wants us to care about that one mom, that one baby, our little child. That's good. That's a great mm. illustration. Well, Pastor Ryan, jump right in. Um, talk about your involvement and, and talk about uh, representing your church. And there were other churches uh, who gathered on October 1st. But but before we get there, uh, just talk about your passion and your heart for the preborn. Yeah, thank you so much. So, you know, growing up, I didn't really have much uh, conviction placed on the conviction at all about pro-life things or about uh, even understanding abortion, nothing like that. And I became a Christian at 20 years old. And I think just over time, as I studied the Scripture, it became more and more clear that that child in the womb is a real person, that it's a baby that ought to be protected. So therefore, that started to help me understand what exactly is happening in abortion and where children really are being uh, being killed. And so that started to create a passion in me to, uh, to want to speak the gospel of Christ into that situation as best I know how. And, uh, and also there were convictions that began to develop over time that, uh, of course, Christians ought to be, uh, have a yielded, submissive, submissive attitude towards governing authorities, according to Romans 13. But that also has limits in the sense of um, Acts chapter 5, for example, when he said we ought to obey God rather than men. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it started bringing me on to these same ideas that Les is talking about there. And, and yeah, we, uh, after some time, we t- actually took this idea to, I had some connections with the mayor in Pearl, mm. and the mayor there was very gracious to uh, just give us some time and let us talk to him about it. And and honestly, I, I had some connections with him, but I didn't know him all that well. I didn't know where his convictions were. I didn't know, you know if I was going to have to try to be persuasive or anything like that, <laughs> but, it, but it really was, I believe, the mercy of the Lord that as we began to talk to him about, uh, you know, our convictions about abortion and about how, uh, you know, what the city of Pearl should do and, and, and begin to give them an example of a resolution that uh, that Pearl could adopt. You know, he, he was already in a place where, um, to where he seemed genuinely convicted about these things. It seems wow. like that his convictions moved past uh, just politics and the way he really did care about his children in the womb as, as well. And, and he felt like that he, you know, he wanted to lead out his city and making a stand. And so honestly... Yeah. You know, we, we kind of handed him that information and, and, and proposed the idea. And as the mayor of Pearl, Jake Wyndham just jumped all over it. So, and, uh, and he took it to the, he took it to the alderman and, and, and on October 1st, they adopted that resolution. So in, in the, in the process of this whole thing, uh, it's, it's a done deal. It's adopted or are there, or are there more steps to, to be done, uh, to make this happen? Right. Well, you know, the, you know, if you take it as a three-step process, you know, the first, first step in that process being that we uh, adopt a resolution declaring ourselves to be uh, a safe city. We presented it as a sanctuary city for life, and they like the language also of safe city for life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you get that passed as a resolution, and then second step, then you begin to really just build community around that, um, a coalition of pastors and uh, citizens that are on board and really understand uh, this issue and, and, and what a citizen, what a city ought to do. Hmm. And uh, and then the third step would be, would be to begin to move towards uh, ordinance and law in our city. 
And so, yes, the first step on October 1st, uh, the mayor and alderman board adopted that resolution that proclaims the humanity of the unborn, and it or it actually urges the citizens of Pearl to uh, to live that out, to you know, to um, to labor for uh, the dignity of all human life at every stage of development. And so that's been passed, and then there's been a lot of you know conversations how we as a city can begin to. Uh, you know, lock arms, and there's, there's been several pastors that got. In, in fact, the the, the next um, uh, uh, alderman board meeting that they had, several people from the city. A lot of citizens. I mean, the room was packed out. A lot of citizens were there. There's probably about, I believe, 13 or 14 pastors from churches represented there. Um, uh, some elected public officials from our area were there just to just to thank the mayor and the aldermen for what they did, mm. and just to encourage them towards courage to continue forward with that, and also to pray for them. And it was a it was a, a time of rejoicing. Wow! Wow! This is this is incredible, and it's exciting. You know, one of the things that really strikes me about this is that. I think for many Christians, we often think that we will be most effective if we can work from the top down. While we mm. have wicked and evil men who understand biding their time and working from the bottom up. So they're yeah. they're actually working in our communities as as less alluded to, working in our schools. They're mm-hmm. they have they know what grassroots can do. And I feel like this is us using wisdom in the body of Christ and this is us understanding how our local governments work and this is us working from the bottom up. I know that you also had a lot of churches who showed up with you and who were represented. How did that happen? Sometimes some of the hardest things to pull off is to get churches in any given community to work together. Why was this different? Hmm. I, you know, I don't know exactly why it was different, except just uh, God just being gracious to uh, bring people on board. But essentially, um, you know, uh, for the most part, I would just contact some of these, uh, uh, some of the pastors. And I would just kind of tell them about, uh, and, and honestly, I, I was really just telling them about what Pearl had already done, because at this point, we were mainly gathering up uh, support of these folks to go thank the mayor and, and, and thank the alderman. Um, you know, this was this was after it was actually even passed. And, and, uh, and yeah, as we kind of, as we explained the idea to, you know, to one pastor, and they were on board, and they were uh, wanting to, uh, wanting to be at that meeting, they would talk to other pastors, and it just got, it kept happening that way until wow. there were several represented. And there, there were others that that actually wanted to be there as well, and they just wanted to be there, but have also their support. And there's a um, there's been a, a website that's been formed, uh, SafeCityPearl.com, where several of those pastors have uh, put an endorsement online for what Pearl is doing. So that's that's great, especially to see churches and pastors working together. You know, and to me, mm-hmm. that says that that's the spirit of the Lord because you don't normally have uh, yeah. that happen. But Les, I want to ask you, is do you see this, you know, as kind of a, a template? Or is this being done in other places as well? Is this something that you're like, man, we, this is not the only the one, but we're going to go further with this? What's, the, what's some of the plan? It, yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, um, as, as Ryan alluded to, you know, this, this just kind of, took off and ran in Pearl, and it spread from there to, to other neighboring cities in this area. But, but you know, person in Mississippi has been working with working on this for a while with people in, in other parts of the state. Yes. Uh, there's there's other cities in the country and other counties that are they're working at adopting similar resolutions. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yes, I mean, the goal, the goal is, you know, um, while we, we do understand that God uses the weak and foolish things of the world to confound the wise and 
we do know the story of David and Goliath. We also know that, um, that you know, uh, Pearl standing up against Planned Parenthood and the federal government is going to be kind of tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, if we can get mm-hmm. other cities around Mississippi and around the South and around the country to start adopting similar resolutions and working on similar strategies, um, you know, then it, it kind of spreads the load, so to speak. And so, you know, we've got, I think we've probably got a dozen plus towns in Mississippi or counties in Mississippi that are working on similar efforts. They just, you know, the Lord hasn't prospered those efforts as rapidly as they did the one in Pearl. But, yeah, that's the goal. And if, if people go to either personhoodms.com or just personhood.org, you know, they'll find a link on there to a Sanctuary Cities page that kind of tells you what the process is that Ryan and them followed, or all of that is linked on Safe City Pearl. So, you know, there's there's information out there, and that's one of the reasons we're, we're grateful to be on the program is we want to kind of put the word out. But um, but I, I think I think the other thing that we want to encourage people to do is, you know, to not not merely think of this as, as a political issue. You know, uh, you know, part of the part of the phase two we call it building that that cultural life is to encourage the church to even more engage and get the church to more engage. You know, the the, the children in their community that need a home, the moms that need help. You know, I, I worked in, mm-hmm. as you know, I worked in, in mercy ministry in this uh, in this arena for a while, and, and that, that's where this battle is ultimately going to be won. Mm-hmm. You know, when, 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 when we reach the point where Pearl has zero foster kids and where Pearl has a, a, a girl in the, you know, in a crisis situation, and her first thought is, well, i got to find the church they will help me. We've already won. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. You know, so, mm-hmm. so that's, I love you that know, you say kinda... that, Leslie. Let me let me ask you just to comment on this in the in the short time that we have left in this segment. But um, I think that that we could even go further with this this admonition that we change the way we think about children just across the board, even within healthy families within our church. We've got to change how we see children. The Bible says that children are a blessing, and so I think that that is a part of what you what you're alluding to when you talk about having a change with, within our culture. Is it not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the Bible. I've got a. Uh, I don't. I don't remember who who he was quoting, but I heard a, I had a friend one time tell me that the Bible says that uh, children are a blessing and debt is a curse, and Americans apply for debt and try to prevent uh, apply for blessings, apply wow. for curses and try to. Um, prevent blessings, and so yeah, I think obviously we've got to we've got to think of children differently. We've got to think of particularly you know fatherless children and and uh, mm-hmm. uh, widows and and the poor and the stranger differently because that you know that's where God's heart is. That's where He's calling us to you know to get engaged. And so you know, I, I, Brian and I were talking before you called uh, while we're having a cup of coffee. Um, I was speaking to a group that's interested in doing. Sanctuary cities actually there in Tupelo a few weeks ago, and you know when when we move to the next step and we're actually interposing against the federal government and you know telling the federal telling the, the federal courts that your jurisdiction ends here, um, <laughs> we're asking our statesmen to take a huge risk. And how dare the church ask the politicians to risk his career, his federal funds, you know all the attacks he's going to get, maybe even you know his office. When we won't even give up our bath boat to take in a couple of foster kids. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You know, so yeah. this is this is about abortion, but it's more about the gospel. Amen. That's right. That's right. Well, I want to give a couple of webs- websites, safecitypearl.com, safecitypearl.com. 
to learn about what has happened in Pearl, Mississippi. And then also personhood.org, personhood.org, to learn how maybe you can start something in your own local community. To Pastor Ryan and to Les Riley, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to grab this break and we'll be right back. Stay close. have to do it tomorrow What's um, that? i think we have to we have to bring airing the addisons the radio program into the online social media world Ooh. or bring the online social media oh world into... that's dangerous that is Listen, dangerous let me just say hey well welcome back to airing the addisons <laughs> on american family radio okay i'm will's wife by the way <laughs> yeah right? and i'm will hey is, and uh, i'm, I'm your wife yeah, yeah you're my right. wife that's right yeah, Sherry B is over in Studio CC. She's not related to us. No, at least not by blood. I mean, she's at our least sister. Not by our blood. In the Lord, but yes. Yeah, watch me get real deep and spiritual. You know, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, <laughs> yes, and she's yes. our sister. Um, but anyway, just because sometimes people have questions, um, we are having a moment right now, and some people, you know, I I love so dearly the people who are like not on any form of social media. <laughs> the people who are not on any form of social media, the real MVPs, and, and, and so, they're the real MVPs. <laughs> well, that's not where I was going. You're okay. so gracious. I was going to say they are the people who are always fanning the flies at the picnic. They're like, what? Huh? What? 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 <laughs> What's going on? What? I don't know. I don't know. Sit down. Stop it. They and and bless your heart. Oh, I'm Mississippi now. Yeah. Bless your heart. Yeah. You don't mean to not know. You just have other things that, that you're doing. And so you're like, my life does not play out on social media. And right. again, to Will's point, you're the real MVP. I salute okay? you. You are. We yes. salute you. We all we all stand up for you in our hearts. It's like, you know, rebellion. We're standing up in our hearts. Um, but you don't know what's going on because you're you're not on social media. You, you, and you've chosen not to be on social media. And, uh, and there are a lot of us who are like, ah, if we didn't do it as part of what we do, we wouldn't be on social media, right? Like we just would, we would just kind of, you know, log off, log <laughs> off. <laughs> Hashtag, we would just log off. Log off. So, so right now there is, there is a social media moment. Mm. Social media has these moments, these, you know, where there's a big deal. It's like the big concert comes to town. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, everybody's talking about it. Right. Right. And so right now, everybody on social media and I'm saying everybody, it is not everybody. It's, yeah, it's not everybody. So it's like it's 99.99% of people. <laughs> and the other 1% are just eating. They haven't gotten around to it yet. As soon as they lick the grease off their fingers, they're going in. Keyboard courage. <laughs> oh, they're going to be man. typing it up, typing it up. I'm kidding. So, so right now there is a conversation. Mm-hmm. Flowing and there are stories that are flowing. Say that They're again, flying because, everywhere. Because I They're, think, yeah, say that again. Okay, so there's right now there's a conversation going on that is the result of articles flying and opinions uh, uh-huh. being communicated about um, a recent 
50th anniversary celebration of John MacArthur and his preaching and teaching ministry. Okay. And uh, he was asked a question by Todd Frill. It was a word association game they were playing. And, and Todd Frill's word association was, um, was Beth Moore. <laughs> that was like and, John Macar- like- and John MacArthur said, <laughs> go home. Mm. No, he said some other things. We're going to get into it tomorrow. Today, I'm just telling you, we're going to wait into this tomorrow. I'm only telling you that so you can decide if you want to listen or not. Because let me tell you something. The discussion that we're going to have tomorrow is going to <laughs> delight and upset the same person in one hour. Hmm. You'd be like, you'd be like, yeah, that's right. And you'd be like, no, that's not right. <laughs> and that's okay. Because look, when we read the scriptures, we actually see portions of like what we think is right being shaved off. You understand mm. what I'm saying? Like we have this view that we, that we bring to a conversation and you know, and so when you hold it up against the scriptures, you should be filtering that through the word of God. There are things that are going to get shaved off. And sometimes that's painful. Ouch. Yeah. You, yeah. you get nicked. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's okay. Get, yeah. We're going to have those right. little round band-aids, those little ah, things you put on your face and get a little like nick. But yeah. We'll just have those. Um, but look, the, the problem is this. The, the problem, just in a nutshell, just to kind of like set up and just to let you know so that you can make an informed Make an informed decision as to whether or not you want to listen to nah, Just like, come back and listen. It's just right. come back. It'll I don't be know. Fine. I don't It'll know. be fine. <laughs> I guess so, Will the Great. I don't it's all know. right to be triggered um, sometime. No, mm, <laughs> maybe so. We don't have any safe spaces. You know, we tell people that. We don't have any safe spaces on ATA. Right. Um, but no, let me let me just say this. I don't have a problem that John MacArthur reference um the scriptures in describing the roles and the functions of women, right? My problem is twofold. My problem is that I think it was unnecessarily uh, denigrating of women in ministry, one, but then also the role of women in ministry at home, two. Hmm. So I think there were two things that happened that didn't need to happen. And and here is my greater concern more than anything else. And so if you if you're on if you're on Facebook, I ha- People who have followed me on Facebook or been friends with me on Facebook for a long time, you know that I'm sharing stories and every now and then commenting. And I give lots of hearts because I love people's posts and things like that. Um, but every now and again, I go into this like fire away mode. Yeah, it was like a barrage. Like, boom, it was boom, a barrage. Boom, boom, it really boom. was. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen, doesn't it, Will the Green? Yeah, it, yeah, it happens. And it's because I have a series of thoughts that I can't focus on anything else until I get them out. And it's not like a, it's not like a, Oh, let me just get this off my chest. It's unbiblical. It is a man. We need to, we need to go into this conversation thinking deeply about these things. Right. And so I, I fired off a bunch of different posts on Facebook. Some of them are well received. Some of them are not, and that's fine. And you know, I mean, that's okay. Um, but here is my concern. Let me tell you what my concern is about what is happening um, in the body of Christ today. There are women who are welcoming with open arms um, weak Christians, weak women in the body of Christ who are confused about their value and their worth in the church. Mm. And these comments, I think, didn't do a whole lot to really protect them. Okay, Mm. and if I can just be frank that's that's the problem that I have with it. You know, um, if you listen to this program and, and, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time, critical race theory and intersectionality as 
tools, <laughs> okay, mm. that can, oh my goodness, right. that we can use in, in the body of Christ. Um, they're messing up women. They're messing up women. Yeah. You understand? Um, in, in, in 1950, oh man, I can't remember the exact date, but in the 1950s, early 1950s, um, at the University of California, Berkeley, there was a book that was published by a collection of communists called The Authoritarian Personality. The Authoritarian Personality. <laughs> And we don't know this in our culture, but it is that book that is the genesis of all of the disc or most. Let me be careful. Most of the discontent experienced by women in their homes. Mm. Most of the discontent that kind of as it continued to flow down was also experienced by women in the church. So a lot of the rebellion we see, the, the, the usurpations and the discontent with what God has clearly laid out in Scripture, it's not something that's like, oh, it's just organically happened. No, it is a targeted attack on the authority of Scripture. It's a targeted attack on the roles of women that are not oppressive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the Bible is very clear about the roles of women. We don't need to mince words over that. However, we have to recognize that we have a common enemy who is hoping that we make his job easier, mm. that we denigrate women so that the feminists and the nouveau feminists, they call themselves womanists. That's going to be the black feminists. Yeah. OK, you guys don't know that, but that's OK. Tune in tomorrow. <laughs> um, but the, the nouveau feminists, the black feminists, right, are accusing the church of being chauvinistic, being male chauvinistic. Right. Which, by the way, is ironic because it's like the pot calling the kettle or accusing the kettle of being black kind of a thing. Well, maybe that's not the best example because the kettle is actually black. But you have these these women who they are chauvinists. They're just female chauvinists. Mm. Right. Yeah. But the problem is, is that their accusations, at least by way of social media, appear to be justified when we have situations like we had recently. Mm. And, and that's, that's what is concerning to me. It's not the truth. Like I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of the truth. I mean, that's what we try to tell on this program all the time. Right. That's, uh, I mean, you know, I, I spend hours, let me just tell you guys, I spend, and Will, you can vouch for me. Mm-hmm. I spend hours researching what is happening in the culture so I can uncover it for you. Yeah. So I can tell our listeners what's going on and why we need to reject it. So when we are saying we need to reject this this feminist attack on the authority of scriptures of the scriptures, we need to do that. But we need to do that with great care. I'm all I'm, I'm going into Thursday. Let me just say this. And I didn't plan <laughs> to do it. I know. I know. Because it's so it's so heavy on my heart. Will you know, yeah. I've been talking to you about this. Like it's yeah. it is it's really bothering me because I see what the enemy wants to do with um, women in the church. Mm. OK, and uh, and it's and it's happening. Yeah. It's happening. He's being quite successful. People who listen to this program will know that we we called out. Um, and I don't mean that in, in like a you know, we tried to provoke to like a war. But we 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 said, look, you know, Beth Moore erased her stance, literally erased her stance, which mm-hmm. was a biblical stance on homosexuality right. in a book she wrote 10 years ago. There is no. I don't think there can be a clearer picture that you are walking back biblical orthodoxy in the name of current mm-hmm. pop cultural norms. Right. Like right. there's no, there's no clearer picture. So I don't want people to hear me defending false teaching. Right. Right. And that was part of my concern, even initially coming out. That's why we did not talking about this early in the weekend. Plus we have, you know, scheduled guests and things like that. But, but here's the problem. The problem is 
that when you just point blank say go home as if that's a, a slight to women, that is your place, right? What, what happens either directly or indirectly, however you want to look at it, what happens is that you have other women who feel called to ministry and rather than have the scriptures unpacked to them, rather than have the scriptures open to them that God uses women, the Lord calls women, the Holy Spirit raises up women within the church to minister, but there are parameters for that ministry. Rather than young women get that, what they get, at least by, by their own perception, is this, this notion that what the feminist and the womanist are saying is true. Hmm. The church hates women. Man. The church is an oppressive organization headed, watch this, by old white men. <laughs> now, guys, we know that's not true. Right, right. We know that's not true. But when you have a situation like what happens in California, okay, man, it looks an awful lot like that. Mm. And now you, instead of Beth Moore, let me tell you something. And here, and here is the thing that is largely problematic for me. Instead of Beth Moore being put in a place where she needs to hear and receive right rebuke and right correction. Okay. You're going in the wrong direction, right? The Bible is clear on X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Right. Instead of that, now Beth Moore is able to hide behind, watch this being an oppressed victim. A victim. Yep. (laughs) She's a victim now because watch this, the white Christian man has just attacked her. So do you know, this is critical race theory and intersectionality says that she is the perpetual victim and these oppressors have just confirmed it. Now, look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that we need to shy away at all from the truth in light of critical race theory and intersectionality. Don't hear me saying that at all. You know, that's not what I believe else. I wouldn't be exposing it. That's right. Right. But what I am saying is this, we need not give the enemy any more fuel to to fan the flames of destroying the church, I of agree. splintering the church. And that is that is my that is my concern with what happened. I don't have any problems with what the scripture teaches about the roles of women. They are not oppressive. It is not uh, demeaning of women. Do you understand? And, and I will say this to 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 women who are homemakers and their ministry is solely at home. It is concerning even to that woman for it to be thrown out almost as a pejorative that uh, go home. Mm. It's like telling someone, you know, it's like telling someone have several seats. (laughs) Right. Wow. So it's no, no offense to the chair, but you know, just (laughs) go sit down. Right. So it's, Uh. it's like, you know, no offense to the homemakers, but You have no role in ministry, so go home. Which, by the way, here is another problem. Home is ministry. Amen. Home is ministry. Amen. So to use home as a pejorative term, like, you know, oh, go home, like spitting it out like that is offensive. It's offensive. Now, we can choose not to be offended, but I'm I'm telling you, because of the research that I have done and continue to do, I see this as fuel for the, and and if you don't like this expression here, but I'll just, you know, I see this as fuel for the Christian left. Mm. I know that there are some people who are like, no, there are no Christians on the left. Um, (laughs) But you got to tell them that. All right. Because they, they, they believe that. So, 
So it's fuel wow. for the Christian left. This this empowers the Ikemeni Uwans to say, see, this is why I told y'all to divest from whiteness. You see, this is what this is what they preach to women, that women need to stand up. Women, y'all have options, is what Ikemeni Uwan said at the Sparrow Conference. So what I'm suggesting is this, and, and maybe we don't need tomorrow's show since I've already gone in on it in this segment. <laughs> Sorry, Will the Great. Oh, my goodness. Um, what I'm suggesting is this. We need to understand what's at stake right now, what the enemy is doing to try to destroy the church. And we need to be as far away from that as possible. We need to speak the truth without apology, mm-hmm. but we don't need to unnecessarily be hurtful and injure the advancement of the gospel. We just have to be careful with that. All right. We're out of time. Sorry. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.